Today's podcast is brought to you by Nebraska. You forgot we were a state, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah, we're still here. Welcome to the Justin News Podcast. My name is Justin Cross, and today my guest, he is a stand-up comedian and former staffer on The Apprentice. That's right, folks. He was a co-worker, a colleague, a cohort of the 45th President of the United States, Donald Trump, and he's got a shit ton to say about his time working with him. Noel Kassler, thanks so much for being back on the Justin News Podcast. Thanks, Justin. It's great to be here. Good, Good to talk to you again, my friend. Absolutely, man. It, the first time you and I talked, you blew my mind because you talked about uh, racist remarks that Trump made, uh, sexual assault stuff uh, that happened when he was on, he was doing like Miss USA, um, drug use. And uh, it turns out uh, nothing has fucking changed. Uh, everything you said seems to just keep uh, confirming more and more. But, um, before we get into all that and, and like some of the newer stuff that's that's kind of happening in the world and, and certainly the, the world of Trump, can you just tell folks who may not have listened to the last podcast, may not even know who you are, kind of like your background and, and like how you worked with Donald Trump uh, on The Apprentice? Well, I worked in live TV for about 25 years, starting in 1993 on a show called The Kennedy Center Honors. You know, which is the same people who work in live television with talent, do the Grammys and the Oscars and the Super Bowl halftime show and the VMAs and uh, presidential inaugurations. Anything you see live on television dealing with performers, bands, or celebrities, that was my wheelhouse. And that's a very small little fraternity of people who work in live television. So a friend of mine got the job as the talent executive for the first season of Celebrity Apprentice, which is the one I worked on, the Celebrity Apprentice, for the finale. They were shooting it at Rock Center. She needed some sort of A-team talent handlers, so to speak. And I had watched the show. It was like my guilty pleasure on Sunday nights. I knew Trump because I'd worked with him in, you know, on the beauty pageants and stuff, and I knew what he was about. And I couldn't believe like that they were selling him as this successful billionaire businessman. You know? Because I'm like, that guy's an idiot. You know? He doesn't... His, his, his old office used to have like cheesy furniture. When they started shooting it, they had to rent furniture because everything was so dilapidated in his family headquarters. Like the whole thing was just a scam. So I was like, I got to see this. You know, my friend was like, can you do me a favor and come work on it? And I wanted to see if like Amorosa was a real person, basically. You know, (laughs) I was just like, yeah, I'll come down, paycheck a couple of days. And that's when the fun began. And fun, I'm I'm being sarcastic. You know, that was the first time I saw him snort Adderall. It was the first, I'd known about the coke use and all that. But it was like, holy shit. Like he's 10 times worse than he was in the 90s. And it, it was 10 times more of a shit show, for lack of a better term than I could have even imagined. And then I just kept coming back every season because it was just like this weird thing. (laughs) So, you know, and then like I was kind of, I I would, you know, if Michael Jackson was on the VMAs, I would be his escort. If Madonna was on the show, you know, whoever's hosting the Tonys, I would take care of the host. So I was kind of like, I would get the talent that the producers thought was going to be the most trouble. Sort of the biggest diva on the show was like my specialty. So after about three seasons, they assigned me to Ivanka Trump. So I was like her, her exclusive escort and taking care of her and Jared and stuff. And, and they run the show, as, as you hear me tweet about, you know. 
Trump's a figurehead. He, he's like the Trojan horse that the, like they're using to get in the room. Yeah. They're the ones, you know, who Trump, I tell people this, when Trump walks into a room, he wants music to play. He wants all the hot chicks to stare at him. Right. You know what I mean? He right. wants to get high. He wants to feel like in control and powerful. But he's not really interested in thinking or working or anything. They're a little more devious. You know what I mean? They're kind of like they want the power and the money. Trump has lost more money than most people have ever made. Right. You know what I mean? Like he's inherited $700 million from his dad, blew that right before The Apprentice, made a fortune on The Apprentice, you know, in the 80s lost a fortune on, you know, casinos. It's not even, he's not like, he's not greedy. He's like a different kind of narcissist. You know what I mean? He's just about like what exists to reinforce his psychotic personality in the moment. You know, that guy's like an Alzheimer's. People actually say he has dementia, but... You know, Alzheimer's patients, basically, it's always right now for them. You know what I mean? Like, people that have dementia, it's kind of, or you know, they're just, like, always existing for what is going to gratify them in the moment, sort of. Not that they're seeking gratification. That's probably a bad analogy. But that's how he is. You know what I mean? Like, Trump exists for who's in the room in that moment that he can manipulate, lie to, get something out of, whatever. You know, so... Yeah, that's a I long mean, answer, but... No, 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 no. So anyway, I worked in live TV forever. I toured with bands as well. Lots of famous rock bands and stuff. And working on that show kind of dovetailed. It was before the touring season kind of started for the summer. We usually shot the finale around, like, May or something. So, uh, you know, I did it. And then, you know, and I thought nothing of it. It wasn't like I was telling these stories until he became president or ran for president, you know? I've seen a lot... Not a lot worse, because Trump is a sexual predator, and that's not something I would ever stand for, like with any of the other artists I worked with. But, you know, he wasn't alone in being like a, a scumbag, let's just put it that way. You know, or having yeah. drug addictions. I mean, that was something, you know, I've lived on tour buses. Like, taking care of seven-year-olds with drug problems was like, that was my job description. But they're not president, you know what I mean? They get on stage and play guitar for four hours, or three hours, you know what I mean? This guy's like, you know, as I said a lot, look, look what I said a year ago. Remember, you know, when we yeah, talked, yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing this to, like, make fun of this guy or even, like, that I care about the substances. I'm telling you, the guy I know would, like, blow up the world rather than be embarrassed or lose space. Totally. And that's what we're witnessing now. You know, and through this whole pandemic, it's just about him. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's all he talks about, how it affects him. Well, Somebody asked him today, oh, there you go. No, 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 I, I was just, just going to say, I mean, like, he... He went on, he went on, uh, he'd been doing these briefings, you know, and he, he went on, he goes on and says, uh, uh, you know, go drink bleach or whatever, go, go right. like inhale Lysol. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, I thought back to our interview that we had and I was like, man, was it, is that just because he's out of Adderall? Is that like his go-to after like the Adderall runs low? Like he just goes and fucking, he's like, give me bleach, you know, like, <laughs> where did that, like, where does that, like, when you hear that kind of shit coming from him, is that... That's I'm guessing doesn't surprise you, right? It doesn't surprise me, and it does. I mean, even for like the dude I saw, who's somebody who would like literally fly into a rage because he couldn't read a word on a cue card, you know, and yeah. would soil himself in front of people audibly, yeah. profoundly. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you know what I mean? Disgusting shit. We we're like, wow, you yeah. know what I mean? This guy's out of his mind. So, having even seen all that, I'm shocked at how he is these days. I mean, that's as crazy. The craziest I've seen him was the day that he they got the first stimulus bill passed. 
right. about a month ago in in March. He looked higher on the power than I've ever seen him, and it was even more than a drug high. And I was watching it and figured out it's the money. He knows he's in, and, and as I said, like he's not completely motivated by money, but he likes to steal money. Let's get it real. You know what I mean? It's all yeah. about this presidency is a grift. It's how can I make as much money as possible until they find out who I am, you know, and chase right. me out of here. So I, the look I saw in his eye that day was the most terrifying thing because I was just like, he's going to steal all this money. Yeah. And you saw what he did right away was right into the bill. Like, I'm the, you know, I get to oversee everything. There's no oversight committee on this. You know what I mean? There's no, well, you know. He, he was like, I've got to have my names on the checks. Like, he right. wants his names on the fucking checks. It's like, I mean, I actually, I was looking through your Twitter account and, uh, you know, I, I was, I couldn't, I really can't believe, like, I have to ask you, like, first of all, if this is true, but second of all, like, dude, how, how many COVID-19 commemorative coins have you purchased? I'm just... No shit, right? <laughs> I mean, well, like, there's six new ones. <laughs> <laughs> have you purchased the one with Trump with an eight pack and an eagle on his shoulder yet? Or is that's, that... Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> like, tell folks about that, because I, I mean, that is a real thing, right? Like, that's... hundred uh, percent. And they spelled Mnuchin's name wrong. On the, on the. <laughs> it's like two years. <laughs> they literally did, yeah, yeah. That's a real thing. They're selling commemorative coins, a hundred bucks, reduced from one hundred and thirty-five bucks. You know, so so and, we, and everything goes to a foundation, right, or charity, like yeah, yeah. That's this guy, man. It's just everything is is he's a snake oil salesman. He's a, a shyster. You know what I mean? Whatever he can sell. I told you last time, like the family would wipe out the craft service table on The Apprentice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you guys are rich. They would book cars. You know, they would ask for per diem. Like, shit, if you're really a billionaire, you're not doing. There's nothing too petty for these excuse guys. Me, excuse There's me, I'm going to need my $35 per day, okay? Thank right. you very much. Um, exactly. I'm, I'm On a live show. Right. They would just bilk it. You know, I did a gig once with Neil Diamond, who's an incredibly generous person. Anyone who's ever worked with Neil Diamond, like, he has the happiest crew in the world. You don't, you don't come in contact with him like... Everybody is getting a $100 bill in their hand to say thank you at the end of the day. Anyway, we were doing a Boston Pops, like, 4th of July thing, you know, in Boston. Mm -hmm. There's a CBS show I used to work on. And there were storms the night before, you know, like big thunderstorms. So they would canceled the commercial flight that the show had booked him to be on. You know what I mean? Which mm -hmm. the show pays for talent to fly from L.A. first class. That dude took his own private jet so he wouldn't be late and could make it to rehearsal. Uh -huh. Yeah. On his own dime, yeah. flew across the country. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's the so then that guy's probably not even a billionaire. He's wealthy. So somebody who claims to be a billionaire like Trump, he takes a star deduction on his like taxes <laughs> in the city. Yeah, you know I mean the dude would be he would be getting a twelve hundred dollar relief check if he could. Right. You know. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Nebraska. We got Omaha or we got Lincoln. It's like choosing between getting poked in the right eye or getting poked in the left eye. Both are terrible and you're mad at yourself for getting in this situation in the first place. Nebraska, unless you've got a corn fetish, just keep on moving. Everybody wanna rag on guns, except the fools who think they're kind of fun. I don't believe that there is anyone who take a bullet in the gun like that outcome. 
This ain't the blacklist, so let's unpack this. The Second Amendment, man, can we redact this? What we gonna do about the killing and violence? What we gonna do about the souls who've been silenced? I'll make it easy, I wrote down a list. Some anti-weapon ammunition, how about that for a twist? One, guns don't kill people. Was there ever a moment where you're like, okay, maybe this dude isn't so bad. Maybe there's a, like a moment of humility or like actual humor or anything like that? You know, I would say there is. You know, before he, he's, he's worse behind the scenes because he flies into rages, you know, and he yells at people. And, and, you know, the leakers always talk about that happening in the White House. So he's still doing that today. You know, he's a pain in the ass to work with and doesn't want to work. He can't focus because he is so drug addled that he just he can't focus on anything for more than five minutes. That's why they, he, they gave up on the pre-PDBs and stuff because he just couldn't pay attention to the briefings, you know. Right. But, and it was, taping a television show was complicated for him. You know what I mean? Where it was like, here, sir, focus on whether Little John or, you know, <laughs> you know, Meatloaf had a better pop-up shop at Times Square today, you know, where he wasn't, where it wasn't as bad as now. He, he wasn't president, you know what I mean? And, and everyone laughed at him. He used to do this, like, when they had the after parties, and it's all, it's already B-level talent, and I'm being generous on that show. Yeah, like, yeah. Some sweet, nice people, but you're not at the apex of your career when you're doing Celebrity Apprentice, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So the after party wasn't, it wasn't like, where's Beyonce and Jay-Z? You know what I mean? It was kind of like, okay, you know, we're, we're, is we're, that Tom Green? You know, like... <laughs> is that is that Rod Bogoyevich over there? Is that the right, man? Right, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Is that the chick who plays the secretary? You know, who's actually a real person. That really was... The girl who's like Trump, Mr. Trump will see you now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you ever watched the show. Yeah. Really, was his the secretary, like not his main aide, but she was like the receptionist on oh the floor. My God, which was just like so homemade. Like they didn't, even, you know what I mean? That it wasn't even like uh, that. Always just struck me as funny, and she was actually nice. But anyway, so he would wait. He would wait for these parties to fill up, which they kind of really didn't even fill up that much, you know, because. Most people don't care. You know, Joan Rivers would go back to her apartment or whatever. But for whatever celebrities would be there in there, he would wait out in the hallway until he thought it was, like, happening. Yeah. And then he would walk into the party ten minutes later. And he would have these security guys around him like he was already president. You know, so you're like, who is this guy? And he, want, he thought, like, the music was going to stop or they were going to start playing Hail to the Chief. And he'd walk in and make this big show of it. And everybody would basically laugh. Yeah. You know, you were just like, look at this guy. But seeing him standing, waiting sort of alone with his two security guys in the hallway for 10 minutes for nothing, just to sort of make an entrance, was sad and pathetic, but also amusing yeah. and not particularly... He wasn't like this bellicose guy at that point. You know what I mean? You weren't afraid of him. Now you're afraid because you know how dangerous he is. I mean, he, as I said a year ago, he was the wor- he's the worst guy you could have in charge of this stuff. And it's 10 times worse, you know, where we're like a year and a few months later, and we got 60,000 people dead from the last time you and I talked. Yeah. yeah. You know, that probably wouldn't have been dead if somebody else was in charge. Some people would have died, but not 60,000. I think we all know that. You know, and Absolutely. God knows what we're heading into with this re- this sort of reopen that is just terrifying because nobody knows what's going to happen. You well, know, and we're obviously see, not ready to be doing this. Well, you know, the reason why, like when we first talked, I, I'm not going to lie, like we we talked, and I I believe everything you said, but at the same time, you, there's hesitation, right? Because it's it's fucking shocking. Hundred percent. 
Yeah. No, I get it. I, I'm surprised that anyone believes it. And I don't really care if people believe it. I'm saying it just because, like, this is the deal, you know? You can believe me or not. I was on Clay Aiken's show last night. He didn't believe me. He's like, I never saw him even drink. I didn't see him use drugs. I'm like, he wasn't blowing lines in front of you. You know what I mean? He yeah. wasn't doing it when he was on camera on the set. You know, he's doing it the behind the scenes, you know, yeah. in the dressing rooms and stuff, you know? Well, that's that's the thing, though, is, is it's so... Everything you say is so believable if you follow what he does on a daily basis in public, right? Like, yeah, nobody in public, like, you're not watching TV, watching CNN going, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he definitely, he's, he just did a line, right, like, you know, as he was walking up to the podium. But, you know, when the guy is disoriented or, you know, they talk about Biden being, <laughs> you know, he's lost his fastball or, you know, he's got early early onset dementia. But you watch Trump and it's like the guy slurs his words. He can't remember where he's going sometimes, the things he's saying. He he goes, I mean, he's off in the fucking broccoli every five seconds. So, yeah. you know, in, in so it's kind of one of those things, like the first time you and I talked, it, a lot of it was, it was tough. You know, I, I listened back to it a couple of times and I had to think to myself, man, is this, is this really happening? Over time, more of it like just keeps making sense. I mean, did you have you felt like coming out with this story, like with a story you did? I know it kind of really made headlines with the People magazine article, but like, has it been difficult for people to believe you to take you serious? I mean, I feel like not because you. It seems like people take you seriously. Like you have a huge Twitter following and it keeps growing, but like. Have have you had that difficulty um, with people taking your story seriously? Not really. I mean, people people believe it because I mean, my point is like, look with your own eyes, you know. And I'm not I'm not trying to get any. I'm not selling a book. I'm not like you know, comedy clubs aren't open. I don't promote my shows on my Twitter. Like, I'm not trying to make any money out of this. I've gotten book offers. I haven't take them. You know, I'm not trying to make any money. I'm giving this information away on Twitter because I want you to just know what you're dealing with. You know what I mean? If he was getting high and fine and doing a good job, I wouldn't say anything. You know, the real problem with addiction is what is underneath addiction, the self-centeredness and the, the resentment, the seething resentment. And that, so that's what I tell people. I'm like, look at his actions. If you don't believe me, tell me why he's tweeting about himself at 2 in the morning right. and constantly attacking people. You know, tell me why his pupils and another reason people, you know, his pupils are huge. They're like black saucers. That's not normal <laughs> under television lights. OK, yeah. you know, when you have a bunch of bright lights in your eyes, your pupils constrict. His don't. So there's a lot of doctors who follow me and tag and have followings, too, that sort of back up scientifically. And, you know, and it's obvious. You see him sniffing, like I said in my stand-up. Like, that's why he's sniffing. That's why he has a big scar on the side of his nose. That's a septoplasty from, like, blowing out his septum in the 80s with blow. Mm-hmm. You know, and this stuff was no secret to New Yorkers. So all the other people around me know this is all true, too. They're just like, I'm not breaking my NDA. Like, who cares? It's not going to matter. Right. And that's what all my colleagues, they're like, it's not going to matter. It's not going to change that he's president. And I know it won't. But I want people to know what they're dealing with. You know what I mean? If my friends were getting in a van and the driver was drunk, you know what I mean? And he was like going to drive down a mountain pass with the headlights off or something, yeah. I'd want to tell people. Yeah. And that's what it is. You wouldn't let a guy, did you see that clip last week where he was slurring and he's like, I love everybody or whatever. He yeah, could his talk. eyes were bloodshot. Bingo. If that guy was an airline pilot, man, 
and he showed up for work and was in the pilot's lounge <laughs> and talked like that, right. they wouldn't fucking let him fly the plane. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Trump's in charge of our whole nation, and now our nation's health care. You know, our nation in this in a crisis we've never experienced. Our grandparents haven't experienced anything like this. Right. Like, we're in such uncharted territory, and all he talks about, all he tweets about is himself. He's he's the you drunk know? he's a drunk pilot, but he wants every everybody to believe he's Sully, and he's gonna fucking right. land this shit. Yeah, it's right. it's 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 kind of um, you know one of the things that fascinates me is that these stories, you know, you're not obviously the only one talking about like behind the scenes types of things that have happened. You know, like you've we've all heard about the 17 sexual assault allegations that have come up. You know the. Um, you know, di- different different stuff over time that's happened. I mean, the inauguration, uh, his charities, all of this like corrupt bullshit, and yet it doesn't seem to take to certainly Trump support, like the hardcore Trump base. But but just like I don't know if it's media or or what. But um, why do you think it is like somebody like yourself who comes out says this stuff? I think has a ton of just really credible allegations, and yet it doesn't. It doesn't seem to. I don't know if it doesn't resonate or it just doesn't like seem to matter that much. Why do you think that is? It's a that's a great question, you know. <laughs> and I, I guess it's a really great question. It's a very difficult question that goes to the and it's kind of a boring answer, but it goes to the larger thing of like how addiction works. You know, it's like if your dad's a drunk and abusive, you don't talk about it. It's a family disease, you know. And some things you just kind of don't talk about. You know, it's just too uncomfortable. So you sort of get sucked into the abusiveness and the addiction, and you 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 become a part of it in denial. That's why Al-Anon exists for people that are in you know for AA. You know, somebody mm-hmm. loves an active alcoholic or recovered alcoholic, they join Al-Anon to learn how to get healthy themselves. You know, yeah. So it's like we're almost as a nation in an unhealthy, abusive relationship because the president's like our father figure. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he's obviously off his mind, you know, out of his, you know, he's, so he's, if he's not on something, then his brain is broken. You know, you got yeah. one or two choices, you know, yeah. either he's completely, his brain is, is, you know, full riddled with dementia or he's on abusing, you know, substances. It's probably a combination of both. You know, I, I tend towards more, I, I've seen the substance and I think it's all just the degenerative thing, but pick your poison. The guy ain't well. That being said, Reporters are trained to not make the story about themselves. You know, the the moment a reporter sticks their hand up in a White House briefing and asks that question, they then become the story. Mm-hmm. You know, right. and they're letting down their editors and they're letting down everybody else at that news organization because there's going to be hell to pay. Yeah. The second part of that thing is for the the drug allegations, which I've told some of the most famous journalists that anyone's ever heard of. You know, that I'm friends with that have brought down other presidents. You know, and I won't say the name, but it's pretty much right there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and they believe me, you know, but you need two other, so you need three sources to corroborate this stuff. Trump stole his medical records as, for, as soon as he became president from his Dr. Feelgood, Dr. Bornstein on the Upper East Side. You know, so it's a very hard case to make, you know, yeah. and Trump's very good at, like, bullying and getting people into NDAs. It's just like the sexual assault. There's hundreds of women that have been sexually assaulted by him. Right. You know, right. somebody wrote a book and there was 200 accusations in the book. I've seen it myself. I haven't seen crimes, but I've seen him do shit that you wouldn't normally get away with. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean but like when yeah. you're, 
a rich, powerful man, you get away with this stuff. So it's that culture, it's that cycle of stuff yeah. um, that that makes people like scared to confront him. And also, the, you know, they're making a lot of money off him. You know, CNN, it might seem like they're really opposed to him, but you know, Jeff Zucker was in charge of the fucking Apprentice when he was there at NBC, and he knew about this shit, and yeah. he didn't fucking say anything. And now he's making a fortune at CNN, and he goes to Trump's fundraisers in the Hamptons in the summer. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like. Yeah, he sucks, but it's his great ratings. You know, yeah, I'm not saying yeah. Anderson Cooper and Cuomo and all these guys aren't don't despise him because they do. You know, but it's a gig, it's a job. You know what I mean? And and but they're all they're all, that being said, they're also starting to speak out a lot. You know, Brian Karam's a great journalist. He wrote a piece on Playboy. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Sooner or later, somebody is going to step up and ask that question, and then the floodgates are going to open. You know? I was going to say. And also the people from inside. I, yeah. Did you see that? I got a letter from somebody who was a White House medic and stuff who was like, dude, I've been following you. Everything you say is what we're seeing here. The doctors <laughs> oh. have seen it. Wow. Hello? He's been to the – They the guy told me he'd been three trips to Walter Reed. We mm. only heard about that one in November, but he said there was two other trips. He said it doesn't make any sense because all the equipment you need is already at the White House. You know what I mean? So yeah. unless it's like a serious like cardiac event or something, you don't leave. You know, you don't have to leave. He's like, there's basically a hospital here at the White House and a full medical staff and surgeons on call and all this shit. I, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's a story that fucking just disappeared. I mean, the, right? the entire, I mean, that that's what I'm talking about. It's like the stories like that. It's like, how do we not investigate those more? Because... Um, but I mean, I think Trump has a, a great way of being able to manipulate this, the news cycle and just, you create so much chaos that you move on quickly, even from Absolutely. something that right. can be, I mean, you know, it, it's funny you said that cause I, I worked at CBS, uh, for a little while and it was, I forgot the guy's name now who was the, the head of CBS. Les, Les Moonves? Les Moonves, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. A, a similar, yeah. Of a similar ilk as Trump in yeah, some yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But exactly. he, I remember him, I mean, I overheard him saying, like, Trump is, is a terror, you know, he, he doesn't like Trump, all that, but that, you know, he's great for ratings. So, I mean, it, it like, I heard that, you know, firsthand, the same type of thing yeah. that, that Jeff Zucker uh, was saying. And, you know, I, I have to ask, you mentioned he, how he was, he was in charge of The Apprentice at the time. Um, you know, I've heard a lot about these apprentice tapes and how they've been buried. Like, can you give folks any insight as to, I am, you know, what's, yeah, 100%. what's I mean, on these? Not, like, what's going on with those? That's not on Jeff Zucker. I mean, Jeff Zucker ran NBC Entertainment at the time, you know, which yeah. was the one that aired The Apprentice, you know, this the is, network that airs it. The production Burnett, company right? that produced it was Mark Burnett Productions, right. which is MGM. Mark then purchased MGM. One of my friends was the audio guy on that. He tells me they're in a vault on MGM. Recently, you know, a, a judge apparently, you know, had a court order saying that, that they have to release those tapes. I'd be very surprised if the more salacious tapes, and there's just, you know, thousands of hours, you know, because it's a reality show. So he's got a lot of mic on a lot of times. You know what I mean? There's a lot of yeah. stuff that didn't make it into the show that would be on a digital audio file, you know, on a card on a sim card or something in one of these vaults uh, but i'd be hard pressed to think that they haven't been destroyed at this point you know what i mean yeah yeah and 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 we all heard it like he would use the n-word like he was you know ice cube or something you know <laughs> what i mean we're like bro what are you doing <laughs> you know you don't say that out loud but he would you know that's right. how he would refer to the contestants 
you know. So you don't think you don't think those tapes exist anymore? You think they've been destroyed, basically? Probably, and I don't think you'll ever hear them. I honestly, I mean, people get all excited and they're like, "Where's the tapes?" And I probably get a hundred tapes comments i usually i sometimes block people it's my one of my few pleasures in quarantine is blocking people <laughs> when they're like release the tapes this is all your fault you could stop them you know it's like I, you know i i have some stuff i know about you know what i mean and yeah and like i have some stuff i haven't released you know some photographs and stuff but it puts me in danger do you know what i mean like Here's the other thing. Trump is mobbed up. You know what I mean? He is laundering money for the Russian mob. Like, so the people that really know about how devious he is in New York, they ain't going anywhere near this shit. Right, right. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. why do they want to get their lives destroyed? But that being said, people are always like, release the tapes, you know? Yeah. I yeah. would love for those tapes to come out. It won't make a difference in his support. He already had tapes come out. That Apprentice tape, that I mean, that Access Hollywood tape would have ended any other politician's career. Game over that afternoon. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. And it didn't do a thing to Trump. So hearing him call somebody the N-word will embolden his base. You know what I mean? It'll make it them happy because the whole thing is about racism at this point. Yeah. You know? Today's podcast is brought to you by the University of Nebraska. It sounds like it should be fun, but it's just, it's just not. Some anti-weapon ammunition, how about that for a twist? One, guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, so do monkeys, they become lethal. Thanks, Eddie Izzard, for making it clear. Because the fact is that a gun will only magnify fear and turn anger to destruction on a massive scale. Little thing like a worm, you turn it into a whale. It's okay to be mad. What do you think about, you know, I interview politicians on this show and like people running for office and the congressional level, governmental level, all that. And a lot of them say, you know, like, don't focus on Trump's behavior, focus on, if anything, maybe his policies, but more like, what, what can you do? What, as a politician, what can you do? Talk about healthcare, talk about the, that type of stuff. I mean, just as somebody who I know is kind of a student of politics and, uh, and a smart guy in, in, in that world, what do you think about it? Like, do you think that, generally speaking, and I know it may vary by politician, but like, do you think it's a good tactic to take? to talk about Trump and his erratic behavior and his leadership and all that kind of stuff or lack of leadership? Or do you think it's better to focus on issues and, and stay away from like the stuff that you talk about a lot? That's an, an, another great question. And uh, I think it's more important for the politicians to focus on the issues, to be honest. Yeah. Because while this is happening, you know, I make this analogy, it's like Trump is walking into, like, a candy store and, like, falling on the floor and pretending to have an epileptic seizure, right? <laughs> yeah. All the other guys are going behind the counter and emptying the cash drawer. You yeah. know what I mean? So the environmental policies, the industry policies, the deregulation, you know what I mean? The giving away our public lands for mining and fracking, you know, the list goes on and on. That's the really dangerous stuff that, you know, pundits can't solve, you know, but a, a Katie Porter can, you know what I mean? Yeah. These new skilled, like, level, you know, AOC, they can really do something about this, and they can make these complex issues sort of crystallized in the American view, because we're going to focus on the craziness, you know, the main media, the, the cable news, the comedians, the late-night talk show guys, we're going to talk about drinking bleach, you know, but <laughs> while he's telling you to drink bleach, there's still a bunch of kids locked up in cages, and there's still, like, immigration being shut down, 
You know what I mean? And there's still deregulation of like environmental rollbacks for automobile emissions. It's, you name it, you know? Yeah. Like, so I think for politicians, they're smarter to focus on like the, the nuts and bolts of what's happening because Trump will be gone sooner or later. But the damage he's doing is going to last generations. Yeah. You know, we're not going to, we're only, we haven't even seen the damage he's done yet. You know, when the smoke clears, people are going to be like, my God. Yeah. You know, and future generations are going to be like, how did you let this happen? Yeah. You know what I mean? Can you imagine being in American history class in 15, 20 years? And they're like, and then he told you to drink bleach. You know, and uh, a kid would raise the question like, wait a minute, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen the clips. He looks high every day. How did you guys let him do that? It's, you know? it's How did he tweet a hundred times in a night and you didn't commit him? You know, he should have been committed on Sunday. If Obama had done what Trump did on Twitter on Sunday alone, Obama would have been in a 24-hour cycle with St. Elizabeth before the fucking sun came up. Oh man, you got me there. Yeah, that you are so right. It, it is, it's it's amazing because I remember the tan suit was Obama's biggest right. like, gaffe. Was like wearing a tan suit, and and yet Trump just urinates on our country on a daily, hourly basis. Exactly, and people exactly. just it's just so normalized. Um, yeah. <laughs> how how do you think this ends up? Do you think how do you think Trump leaves? <sighs> That is a, that's the, you know, that's the question of the hour. I don't know. I mean, just think of, like, what's happened since January. You know, I was out in the Hamptons on vacation in January, and it was like, he assassinated Soleimani because he got dissed on Twitter. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Impeachment came. You knew that was basically nothing was going to happen. Nothing happened. The next day, he gave a batshit crazy press conference <laughs> and was like, fuck you. I'm going to do it again, which he did the next day. And then he's like, I'm coming after all you bitches that did this to me. <laughs> It was insane. He was totally high. That's when the dam broke when, like, everybody on Twitter was like, what is this guy on? You know, right. so he's sniffing and stuff. Then, you know, March comes. It's not even May yet. It's May tomorrow. You know what yeah. I mean? So it's been four months that felt like four years. Oh, And yeah. 60,000 people are dead. And there's entire industries that will never come back or be the same, including the one I work in. You know, comedy clubs ain't coming back anytime soon. Yeah. You get sat next to strangers in a comedy club. You know, they pack you in there. That's how they make the money. Yeah, that kind right. of thing ain't coming back. You know, and 90% of that industry is not the guys you see on Netflix. Yeah. You know, it's dudes like me that are on a showcase, you know, with 10 other comedians, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so, okay, so how does it end? I don't know. I, I don't even know how November comes. You know, a year ago... I would have said that he's getting reelected. You know, if the stock market was still at 28000 or whatever, yeah. people would hold their nose and vote for him again, you know? Right, right. If, if, if you know, I, at this point, he's running against those lines at the food banks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Which are only going to get longer, you know? And I don't think people are really addressing the economic hardships. We all know people are hurting now. We haven't seen yet what it, how bad it's going to be. It's going to be like the grapes of wrath. You know what I mean? People are going to be like full Tom Joad, like loading the family in a car and heading to another state because they hear there might be a job or something. You know, right. it's going to get desperate. 20% unemployment. Like we haven't lived through anything like that. No. You know? No. So. By the way, that's, those are, you say that in, in people, again, this is not like overblown, like, like Trump's own economic advisor was on CNN or Fox or someplace. My yesterday. neighbor, Cudlow. Cudlow was my next 
neighbor for 16 years in Manhattan. Oh. The last time we talked, Cudlow lived, he, his, his apartment is like basically through the common wall of mine. He's got the good scotch, doesn't he? He's- Dude. I've known that guy 16 years. He used to smoke crack on my block, literally, <laughs> when I met him. No, I'm not kidding. Not a joke. He used to smoke crack on the block. I'd be like, oh, there's Larry smoking crack in his SUV. My God. And then he wasn't smoking crack. I don't want to talk about somebody's personal. I, I don't drink anymore. You know what I mean? I've been sober 15 years. So, like, yeah. I knew him not smoking crack and not being drunk on TV in the morning, you know? <laughs> and then he took that job, and all of a sudden he was drunk on the TV in the morning again, you know? Oh, man. And probably, you know, hitting the nose candy. Yeah. So, I know what the deal is with that guy, you know? And it's insane to me. That's what it is. It's addiction. Addiction is a huge part of this whole story. And back to your earlier question, people don't want to talk about that. Larry's been drunk three times on Sunday morning talk shows. Clearly drunk. Right. You know what I mean? Slurring and drunk. If you know Larry, you know he wrote a book about it. I mean, he recovered from being an addict, you know? Right. That's not what a recovered guy looks like anymore, you know? And that's the guy making economic policy decisions, telling people, yeah, it's fine, you know? Yeah. Open it back up. Like, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah. There's nobody sober. Sober is usually a term like you want a sober politician. You know, you want somebody who's going to be telling you the truth and making, like, disciplined, hard choices. Right. He's a different... Yeah. Yeah. Now we just want somebody who's actually sober. You know? <laughs> if they could just be actually sober... Please don't show know? up drunk to the job. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that, that would be a good day in the Trump administration. Not a single person was drunk on the Sunday morning talk shows. So, so a couple more quick questions for you. Jared Kushner, he has made, he has been like around more often. It seems like he's, he's done a press conference and people like know how he sounds. Like they know what his voice is. Um, obviously you know him much better, but like you just, I mean, shoot it straight. No, like, is he a real person or is he one of the aliens that was in the UFO footage from the other day? Like, is he... No, he's scary. He's the scariest human being. That dude's got a fucking skin suit in his basement that he's sewing up. You know what I mean? That's the last face you see when the fucking lotion comes down in the bucket. <laughs> you know what I mean? That dude is terrifying and soulless. Mm-hmm. That guy is... Fear him. You know? Don't fear his massive intellect, but fear his depravity and his lust for power. You know what I mean? See, that's what's hard like, to understand, though, because he seems like a very diminutive kind of guy. Like, he doesn't seem like a person who lusts for power as much. Like, he's the... But then again, he's the behind-the-scenes guy. So, to, but yeah. To, yeah, no, you know he's him. like the psycho killer in Lululemon, you know? Bath <laughs> leisure, you know? <laughs> like, he seems very mellow, and he is a mellow personality. He's, he's kind of soft-smoking and stuff, but he's... He, He's kind of pure evil, to be honest with you. You know, it's like his family escaped the Holocaust. You know, they escaped a pogrom, like, you know, like, and came here and, like, had to lie about their background and names to get into the country, you know, after World War II. His grandparents, Mm -hmm. you know, and then his dad made a fortune. His dad screwed over the rest of his siblings. Now his son, you know, the grandson of the, you know, Holocaust survivors is working in the White House and stopping immigration, you know what I mean? Yeah. And literally pulling up the ladder behind him, you know, after he escaped. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Like, yeah. just think about the moral character it takes to do something like that I mean, as a Jewish guy. Between him and know? Stephen Miller, it's... it's Right. Yeah. And Miller is just, I mean, he's just full on. Like, he's just like, I don't want to stand in line when I get to hell. 
<laughs> like he's just like, I want a fucking front row seat. You know, I'm gonna eat a baby like while we're waiting. Like <laughs> that guy is just. I mean, that's just you know. Good God, I don't even know what you say or do with that. You know, I met I met uh, the Shrek Martin Shrekley was that his name? Oh, Shrelly, Shrelly Martin Shrelly. I met that dude at the All Star game. I did the All Star game for the NBA for like twelve, fourteen years or something, mm -hmm. and we did one in Toronto. One of the last ones I did was up in Toronto, and it was freezing. You know, mm -hmm. and I'm coming into my hotel, and he's coming back. And I make eye contact with him. I can't figure out right who it is because it's like there's a lot of celebrities around All-Star Weekend and shit. But I'm like, I recognize this guy. I recognize this guy. And then he sees me. Like, he, he we're like both in like one of those round turnstile things yeah. where you go into a hotel, you know, revolving door. Yeah. He sees me, recognize him, and he gives me a look like, yep. It is me. You know, he gives me this, this side eye, like, yup, I am that fucking asshole. You know, it was the craziest, weirdest moment, you know. And I, I, when he was on trial in Brooklyn, you know, when they had to do jury selection, they got these jurors that didn't know anything about him. You can read about this. It's hilarious. And they would just show him the picture. But, you know, they would show the picture and they'd interview the jurors. You know, they'd be like, what do you think of this guy? And people would be like, oh, hell no. Nah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what he did, but that dude did something. You know, you just look at him and you're just like, nah, nah, fuck that. You know? So he's got that. You know what I mean? Miller has that fuck that, you know? And Jared didn't have that fuck yet, but Jared's turning into a cyborg. I mean, he was a good looking dude when I met him. You know, he was a good looking cute guy you know yeah. what i mean yeah. if you look at the pictures of him 10 15 years ago and look at him now it's just soulless they both botox like crazy you know right. yeah 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 i mean i um i i always wonder because i've i've read that that relationship between him and ivanka have, is just it's basically like a fixed marriage it's 100 percent, 100 percent arranged really? marriage they're not they don't they're not they're not each other's flavor if you know what i'm saying right you know right, right. um so yeah, it's completely arranged, and they had broken up. You know, when I first met them, they were broken up, and then they got they got put back together by Wendy Dang Murdoch. Oh yeah, she arranged them to get married. Who's Putin's ex girlfriend? Who was married to Robert? You know, I mean Rupert Murdoch. Mm -hmm. And she had heard they broke up, and was like, "No, you guys need to get back together," and got them back together. Oh man! So that's a power move, and it gets more nefarious. We'll talk about it next time. But you know, Jared's dad got set up. Yeah, he, I don't... By Jared's father-in-law, okay? okay? Jared's dad went to prison for setting up his brother-in-law, right? Okay. But the real thing of that story is there was compromise on Charles, and that's why Charles took a plea deal. Billionaires don't take plea sentences for mm. things like that. That dude could have walked from that case. But Chris Christie showed him a video of him with a prostitute in Manhattan and was like, you're taking the deal or this is going public, and he took the deal. I and see. did 14 months down in Alabama at a federal prison camp or something. And Jared flew down there every weekend to see him. Every mm -hmm. fucking weekend. Right. You know? Right. I so, like, that. this is all, like, I think Jared's playing the long game right. of revenge against Trump. I mean, now we're just getting into my personal theories, you know? Yeah. But that's what I think is going on here. Jared's the one. Who, I mean, Jared has a file on his desk. Did you, there's a great piece done on him in Vanity Fair. Some, somebody did a great piece on him this spring. 
And on his desk, he's just got files. Like, you know how you have those ma- manila files yeah. in the little wire hanger folder things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the rack on your desk, like in the 70s, like at a real estate office? <laughs> yeah. He just has a different file, like Mideast Peace, Opioid Crisis, you know? <laughs> COVID Research, you know? <laughs> What the fuck? MBS, you know what I mean? Like, and he's also the guy who did all the, you know, all the, oh man, all the strategy of the campaign in, in 2015 and 16. That was all Jared. You know, he went to his buddies in Palo Alto that he'd gone to Harvard with, and he's like, "How do you micro-target somebody, who, you know, who voted for Obama last time but lives in this swing state county in Michigan and has a shotgun, you know, or has a <laughs> hunting rifle?" You know what I mean? Or listens to Leonard Skinner or something. Like, they got very specific knowing just who they needed to turn. Just like you'd do jury tampering. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you look for the... So it's like, it's like Better Call Saul kind of yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. Like... Well, that's the thing. It seems like, I mean, you mentioned like the one... Like, that's kind of... I just, I just imagine Watergate and I'm like, Nixon would have a fucking field day on Kushner. Like, he would just fucking steal all his files. I mean... It doesn't seem like what was what was the deal that that Kushner did recently where it was oh it was uh what was the COVID nineteen stuff where I think I think he asked his God who was it he asked like a family friend or something like that and they the family friend like Facebook messaged a group to get like how do oh, yeah yeah it was, oh I mean, yeah doctors it, the Facebook friend messaged a Facebook group of doctors right and it, was like how do I learn about COVID. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, he basically asked his, like, father-in-law, or, or he had, not his father-in-law, obviously, but he asked, like, somebody, like, a family friend to, like, do, like, Google yeah. research for him. Right, when he got assigned to it, when they put him on charge, because Mideast Peace and the infrastructure and the opioid crisis and all these other things weren't enough. You were in charge. That was the beginning of March, and he went to a Facebook group. He asked a family, yeah, a family physician friend who went on his Facebook group of physicians, and said, who knows what to do with this COVID stuff, you know? <laughs> and then then he held back the testing, you know? His brother has a company, you know, a healthcare company. Yeah. And, yeah. They, and they were going to make a buck off it. And then they realized, so they were sort of stalling on this thing, and that's why they didn't accept the WHO tests, in my opinion, yeah. you know, because they were going to sell their own tests. And then they realized, man, there's no fucking money in tests, yeah. you know? And they got, that just died out. And now it's like don't test anybody because it's just going to make me look bad politically, you know? Mm. And now today or yesterday, like, the economy's going to be rocking by the summer. Really? It's going to be rocking? Because <laughs> I usually go to Nantucket in the summer and ain't going ain't to be going to Nantucket this summer. <laughs> the Jersey sure ain't going to be boardwalk packed. You know what I mean? People aren't going to be standing in line in Ocean <laughs> City to get eat crabs, you know? My last question for you, Noel, like, you are a, you're a hilarious guy. You've got me cracking up here. Like, not Trump related, but like, what do you do now as a stand up comedian now that, you know, you can't go to clubs, you can't perform? Um, obviously, you do podcasts, but like, what do you do to just get your name out there, obviously, and, and just like, I don't know, like, get, you know, just be creative? What do you do these days? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Well, I'm quarantined up, at, up in my country place, so I'm not in the city. You know, so I'm outside of the city about an hour, and it's, you know, there's a lot of nature, and I have a barn where I have some musical instruments, because I've always been into music and stuff, too, you know? But um, I try to keep my comedy chops up sort of by, you know, checking in with other comedians. You know, Twitter's a great outlet for that. I would say, like, you know, 60% of my tweets are just angry and political, you know what I mean? But there is a real skill in like the brevity of tweets and getting something just right comedically. So that 
you know, I can write a tweet that's funny and, it'll, you know, it gets 25,000 likes or something. And that feels like laughter if it's well-constructed. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a guy named Bill Sheff who was the head writer for Letterman for a long time. He's a friend of mine. So if, you, if you're a comedy writer and he likes your joke, he'll say, everybody go home and retweet it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I got to everybody go home a couple weeks ago. You know, so sometimes I'll get on a comedic role where they're just, you know, they're firing. Yeah. Um, and I write, you know, I'm writing, uh, trying to write new material and also trying to get involved with charities. There's a lot of online charities that are looking for content. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. they want comedians to do, you know, do their sets from home and things like that. So uh, I'm dabbling in a little of that stuff as well. And then, uh, you know, a lot of comedy for me, it's about like doing the research, you know, it's about like seeing what you care about and what really kind of angers you and where there's injustice in the world and then kind of using your skills to illuminate a truth. I'm not just trying to make people laugh or have dick jokes or whatever. I mean, there's a lot of people who do that really well. That's not me. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying I'm above it. I'm just saying like, I'm trying to make something funny that really makes me want to cry. You know what I mean? I'm going after Trump 24 hours because there's a five mile long line for food, you know, in every major city mm-hmm. in this country and town right now. You know what I mean? There's kids that are not getting to eat what they want to eat. You know, they're having to eat what came in the box that they got at the food bank. Yeah. You know, they're not going to school. They're not getting their free lunches. You know, there's animals that are sitting in shelters that, you know, it really, it's horrific. I'm not trying to be a bummer, but that's the kind of shit that I think about that I wake up and, and, uh, that I want to do something about, you know? So if you can get people laughing, you can find the humanity in a situation. And if you, if you have some laughter, then maybe you can bring in a little understanding and a little light into the situation and then hopefully look for the love in the situation, you know? And ultimately it's love that's going to change this. We're all in this together. As much as Trump, people think they hate us and we hate them and all this stuff, we're all human beings. You know, we're one hand fighting the other on the same body. Do you know what I mean? Like, whether we want to be or not, we're all in this together. So I, I'm not trying to turn it into a TED Talk. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> no, that's man. all there. You don't need an audience and a two-drink minimum to do what you need to do to get through the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And for me, that's trying to put a smile on somebody's face. And that's a coping mechanism. You know what I mean? Especially in tough times. Comedy like mine was built for tough times. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, man, Noel. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Justin. I'll talk to you soon, brother.